I'm Jack Zemlicka, and welcome to this episode of our 2020 Precision Farming Dealer Podcast Series. In today's episode, we take a look at some lessons learned from last year and also how farm customers can prepare for planting and beyond with a progressive precision strategy. If you're tuning in for the first time, I'd encourage you to subscribe to this series, currently available in iTunes, the Google Play Store, SoundCloud, Stitcher Radio, TuneIn Radio, and Spotify. And a reminder that by subscribing, you will be able to get an alert when upcoming episodes in this series are released. Farmers are increasingly interested in remote sensing based on the promise that it's going to help farmers make better decisions. Today, the data is more easily interpretable, and with the connectivity piece improving, getting data to and from the cab is also becoming easier. So how are these tools being applied on the farm, and what can dealers and their customers take away from some hard lessons of 2019 that created opportunities for 2020? In today's Precision Farming Dealer podcast, we share excerpts from my conversation with Ray Acevedo, Global Agronomy Lead for Topcon Agriculture, who highlights some of the emerging technologies and precision objectives that farmers could capitalize on in 2020. Since we're still not that far removed from 2019, I guess I maybe wanted to just get some initial thoughts from you on what are some things that you think came out of last year from a tech standpoint, things maybe that you saw in terms of some of the technologies perhaps that emerged or things that maybe would have been particularly valuable given what a lot of farmers encountered in many parts of the country in 2019. 2019 was a pretty interesting year, particularly from data acquisition standpoint and cloud technologies to enable connectivity throughout the field, and especially in rural areas where we're always struggling with connectivity to move our data around. So we've seen a number of uh, different types of technologies that came out that was pretty much intended on helping you extract your data from your sprayer, your tractor, or whatever you're doing in the field and getting it back to your cloud for analysis for hope that it would help you make up better management decisions. There seem to be multiple companies throughout 2019 that was putting heavy emphasis on that. And then another interesting thing was saw companies like Microsoft with their Farm Beats program really trying to start making some headways into the agricultural space. Seems like both obviously ag companies are focusing on the tech cloud and connectivity, but it was interesting to see even more non-traditional ag companies get into Microsoft, Amazons, and IBMs of the world. They're really starting to move their eyes towards the ag space and seeing where they can fit in. And so that pretty well encapsulated what was really going on in the tech space during 2019. And we had experienced a lot of hardships during the growing season in 2019, particularly through the Midwest with delayed harvest and a lot of variability in our weather conditions, causing a whole bunch of management issues. So people really started to look towards what should be looking at as far as technology goes to kind of help them deal with these variable weather conditions and make management decisions easier. And so 2019 was a busy year, Jack. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And you make an interesting point, and this is probably a little more forward looking, but also just kind of reflecting back on 2019. Obviously, you were kind enough to come out and speak in August at our Strip Till event last year. So we were kind of just really early on, potentially for a lot of farmers in the growing season for 2019. And obviously knowing how things ended up or harvest from kind of that second half of the year, what did you kind of see or encounter with perhaps some of the technologies being applied in field? Anything that you saw farmers 
members really maybe turning their focus to or adapting into their operation that perhaps maybe hadn't been a priority in years past, given what we saw last year? Yeah, that's a good question there, Jack. I would say, you know, what's pretty impressive to me is I really started to notice in the latter half of 2019, I would say our various large farms with a very progressive agronomy program and also independent agronomic consultants or regional size agronomy firms, I started seeing a lot more of this take matters into my own hands, grassroots approach for getting data to where you want it to be and making decisions on their own without having to go to outside sources. We were looking for like an automated prescription tool or something like that. People started to actually go what I would call go back to the basics. They're like, I'm going to make the efforts and acquire the technologies I need myself. I'm not going to have somebody like tell me what I need. They did a lot of their own homework and then put these packages together in order to basically enable the farm to make better and easier management decisions. I've seen a lot more like grassroots approaches. When you look on Twitter, you looked on LinkedIn, even Instagram, all these different social media, I actually started noticing a lot of people in this space that you would not have been figuring would have been going after the technology. We always figure it was going to be the larger companies that put together a tech package. We buy it, we install it, and then we go about our way on the farm. But in this case, I think there was a lot of farms that were getting frustrated and agronomists getting frustrated with the fact that we have all this technology out there, but nothing's very consolidated. It's difficult to understand or how it should integrate together. So I just started noticing a lot more people taking upon themselves to become the integrator, figuring out what works, what doesn't. And then they started promoting those items within their own ag community, coffee shop talk, if you will. Started seeing a lot of things along those lines. And to be honest with you, Jack, I think that kind of thing is encouraging and what we need because in order to start getting to some true adoption of these various types of technologies, it's looking like these grassroots approaches are what we're going to need to get things across the finish line. So that was actually quite impressive. I actually went out and talked with a number of cooperatives and a lot regionally sized agronomy companies, and they had started developing their own full flesh of precision ag, digital ag programs and figuring out what software worked, what hardware technology works, and putting together their own program to where they're not reliant on any one platform. They're not relying 100% on John Deere Operations Center or Climate Corporation or anything like that. They just kind of built their own package and basically command their own destiny. Mm-hmm. So thinking about obviously then what we're looking at here in the early stages of 2020 and I guess how things are positioned for farmers, particularly from a technology standpoint. And obviously you've spoken a lot on sensing technology and some of the benefits there. I think it's interesting that we just wrapped up our 12th annual no-till practices benchmark study here. And one of the questions we ask in that study is about precision technology adoption for the coming year. And we have a list of different categories where will ask respondents to kind of indicate what their planned usage is for particular systems. And it was interesting that in a lot of areas, expected usage kind of was projected to decline. But one of the areas that we did see an increase was in remote sensing technology, which I thought was interesting. And you've talked in the past about obviously simplicity and incorporation into other systems as being kind of a real driver of getting that technology more widely adopted on farms. 
Yeah, those are all good points there, Jack. And a lot of people are interested in remote sensing technologies with the idea that it's going to help them make better management decisions. The data is more easily interpretable. And with the connectivity piece and getting your data out of the cab being easier, the idea is that your sensor data gets back to where it needs to go for a farmer to use. Or no more sensor systems with active optical sensors like Green Seeker, CropSpec, or Weed Seeker, or Ag Leader Optical Seeker Flavor is doing real-time recommendation and applications was a big deal. One thing I have noticed going in here to 2020 is that I think our remote sensing tools, particularly ones that are either mounted on a cab or on your sprayer or even uh, active optical sensors that are you can be mounted to a drone, are going to be a big deal. It's important for people to realize that when we talk about things like active optical sensors, this isn't a camera per se. I mean, these things don't generate imagery, but what they do generate is an actual crop map that can be utilized to help you make things like nitrogen recommendations or tell where you have a potential insect problem or make yield estimations on a field. And I'm starting to see a big resurgence of interest and effort, both from the farmer and agronomy level, but also from a company tech level on looking back at this technology of active optical sensors. It was a data technology. A lot of people started using about 15 years ago, but it was difficult to use. The connectivity piece wasn't there. User interfaces were clunky. But now I'm starting to see a lot more effort in space. And somebody just Googled up what's happening with active optical sensors in ag. They'll see a huge resurgence in all these different companies making efforts in this space. And so I think you're going to see in the springtime when we start looking at crop care, fertilizer applications and those kind of things, uh, farmers are going to notice that there's a lot of companies out there starting to push these kind of remote sensing tools because of now their further ease of use and immediate actionable data that can be utilized for a recommendation. So one of the other things you mentioned too was obviously some of the non-ag entities that are certainly making their presence felt now in particularly in the precision farming side of the business, whether it's Microsoft, some of the even to a lesser extent, the Amazons and the Walmarts of the world that are starting to kind of creep in there. What do you see kind of that evolving to? I mean, where's the maybe not necessarily the end game, but what's the from your perspective, the focal point there? I think when you look at your Microsofts, your Amazons, uh, and IBMs of the world, I mean, these guys really focus on infrastructures and providing a platform with some basic level tools to enable other companies to do something, to provide precision ag service, for example. And Microsoft or Amazon takes care of all the computing, the infrastructure, and maybe some of the baseline ag agronomy libraries even things of that nature but the point is is that it makes it an easy access playing field for any other potential company to enter the space and actually start generating products quickly in order to compete in the precision ag world but the underlying foundation for all of them is microsoft or amazon or ibm and if you look at it this is no different than that what we do with this our basic level personal computers right i mean it's just easy for anybody to pick them up you want to start doing some word processor stuff, anybody can do it. But what we're actually utilizing it for depends on the business. And so what they're doing is, I think, basically taking some of the winning formulas they've had to basically improve other industries and looking how they can apply these to the ag space. Our issues with data, data formats, data continuity, the whole data silo thing from one ag company to the other, I can see companies like Microsoft trying to eliminate items like that because 
because those are means or barriers to uh, building new products and those kind of things within the ag space. So they would see that as an opportunity to make some changes and have foundational inf- computing infrastructure that any other company or regional size platform can build on. And so I don't think it's ever going to get to the point where it's like Microsoft or Pioneer or something like that. But I see it more as they're going to take the stance of trying to further enable other companies to compete. Yeah, that's interesting. I mean, you kind of make the Microsoft versus Pioneer reference there, and you think of something like that, and that's probably hard to even fathom. But again, with thinking about what the approach would be, it sounds like it could potentially be much more of a collaborative partnership trying to get into the industry and figuring out where they fit versus maybe a, a conquer the world type approach. Yeah. yeah, unless we see some changes based on their strategy and implementation, I would say that it's a little more going to try to focus on being complementary if anything. Mm-hmm. So as we're kind of gearing up here and obviously starting to plan for spring planting in a lot of areas, what are maybe a couple of bits of advice, maybe three to five points that you would suggest for strip tillers, no tillers as they're getting ready to get in the field on maybe either tools they should be thinking about, systems they could evaluate that might be helpful, or even just kind of some basic stuff that before they get in the field, could be a technology standpoint, could be software, could be systems that otherwise, but what advice would you have? I would say always start off with the basics, Jack. Make sure your fertility, your soil fertility is in good condition. So far, there's really no technology replacement for the good old soil sample these days. Making sure your soil pH, phosphorus, potassium, a number of these other nutrients in your field are in good condition. Because otherwise, this is basically going to cap your yield and profitability potential for the season, regardless of what fancy hardware, software, technology you purchase. So making sure those basic agronomy things are in line would be my first point and then you can utilize your various technologies to consolidate that data to help you make your variable rate prescription maps to make the most out of these tools you got and then start looking at how you can if I was going into seeding I would be looking at how I can start to utilize my variable rate seeding capabilities if I got any variable hybrid capabilities and start looking at varying my plant population depending on my soil type and the kind of rainfall patterns I get within my area because Right now, seed costs are not cheap, pretty high. And if you already paid for a planter that has this capability to vary your seed and you're not utilizing it, well, that's money down the drain. And so if I was people gearing up for seeding, make sure my soils are in good condition, good fertility, so I can get a good base. Look at how I can vary my seeding rate. Make sure I can get my seeding depth correctly for my soil type to ensure I got uniform seed placement so I have good seed germination because we always got good moisture where we place the seed at. So we make sure we got a good stand. So a good stand is pretty much critical and dictates whether or not you're going to have a good year or bad year. So I would be focusing on those things. And then uh, once I cross that hurdle, then I would be looking at what am I going to be doing for an in-season nitrogen program to better adjust for what Mother Nature gives us. A lot of us past couple years especially last year, kind of got caught out with some serious rainfalls and nitrogen loss conditions. This is where your active optical sensors, satellite imagery, those remote sensing tools like that, Jack, could really help farmers and agronomists decide which fields need some extra shots of nitrogen and which ones are doing just fine and dandy in response to what Mother Nature is giving us this year. So we're always optimizing for this year's yield capabilities and trying to maximize that return on investment. Well, thank you, Ray, for sharing your insight in the precision farming picture for this year. 
And I certainly look forward to your feedback on today's program, so feel free to drop me an email at jzemlicka at lessitermedia.com or give me a call at 262-777-2441. And a reminder that you can also keep up on the latest precision farming news impacting your dealership today by registering online for our free daily e-newsletter. And be sure to follow us on Twitter at PFD Editors and on our Precision Farming Dealer Facebook page. Well, I hope that you'll join us again for the next episode in our 2020 podcast series. For Bay Acevedo and our entire staff here with Precision Farming Dealer, I'm Jack Zemlicka. Thanks for listening. <laughs>